0: You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life. Today I want to look at Psalm 12, probably not on the list of top Fifty psalms for people. It's not probably one that you've read anytime soon, Um, but it is an interesting psalm because it does help us to pray through a reality that we face all the time, whether we articulate it the way this psalm does or not. We all face being disappointed by people who let us down. Uh, They either let us down because of their moral behavior, or in some way they let us down because they weren't true to their word in some way, or we found out that they were saying something to somebody else that hurt us in some way uh, they have let us down. And it may be somebody that we look up to. It may be somebody we depend on. It may be somebody who's in our inner circle and that may cause us to uh, lose faith, hope, a sense of, uh, are we on the, uh, you know, what is life worth um, having any confidence in anything And we kind of get tempted to be little postmodernists where there is no truth and we kind of create our own truth, which is certainly not the way it is either in God's universe. There's a balance between naivety, naively trusting people, and being a postmodernist who doesn't believe anything's true and everybody's got their own interpretation and that's what all reality is. We all create our own reality. Neither of those are true. So let's look at Psalm 12. It's kind of a short psalm. It's only eight verses and I want to look at it, and again, the show notes will have the verses if you want to you know, pan left or whatever, swipe left, but uh, you take your finger and you go left with it. Is that swipe left or is that swipe right? I don't know. But uh, Psalm 12 is written by David. It's a Psalm of, of David, and David is one of these guys that understands something of being let down by people he had trusted in and put his faith in, so to speak. When he was working for King Saul, all of a sudden King Saul brought him into his inner circle, but also turned against him and became his greatest enemy. And the same thing happened with people who were under David. Uh, They were people who trusted and then they turned against him in some way. And strangely enough, David himself was one of these people where he... Uh, turned against one of his faithful soldiers and committed adultery with that man's wife and then ended up murdering that man. So David is the perfect picture of the both-and. He's both somebody who had a real faith in God and wrote words that we're, we're praying through, written by, inspired by, written by David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we're using them to pray today, 3,000 years later. And at the same time, he was somebody who was duplicitous in his heart couldn't 100% be trusted, and let people down sometimes at the loss of their own lives. And so this is a reality that we have to grow in, in our faith, because it's part of the reality of this age, uh, this side of the kingdom of God coming to earth, because sin reigns upon the earth, and at the same time, Christ is building his kingdom. And so we live between the times, and we ourselves are between the times. All of that to say, let's start reading in verse 1. David says, Save, O Lord. And remember the psalm we looked at, I believe it was Psalm 118, where the words they were saying, Hosanna, when Jesus enters Jerusalem that last week of his life, they're yelling Hosanna. Really what they're yelling in Hebrew is Hosiana. And that's that phrase there, verse the very first part of this psalm, Hosiana. Save, Hosiana Yahweh, save Yahweh. For the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Verse 2, everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So here's where David has come, is that nobody, ultimately, ultimately nobody can be trusted. Ultimately, everyone, if you are with them long enough, Ultimately, everyone will let us down in some way. And it reminds me of a passage, a strange kind of passage in John chapter 2, where it's describing Jesus. And so Jesus is talking about the temple being his body and all that. And then it says a little phrase that John is remembering in verse 22. He says, after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. And we're going to see that in this psalm, that ultimately the only thing we really can believe and trust is God's word in Scripture, and the words that Jesus has spoken and that God has spoken by inspiring his word. But where I'm going with this, verse 23 in, psalm, in John 2, now while he Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. So he's got people believing in him, They're coming to him, they're following him, but it says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. It's a little phrase, you may not have read it when you read John, you may not remember it, but it's a description of every single person, and Jesus was the only exception to it, But Jesus would not completely 100% entrust himself to anyone because he knew what was in everyone. That's what David is realizing here. Everyone ultimately to some degree utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. This is the dark underbelly of everyone. And Jesus knew it. And David has come to know it. So again, let's see what David says. He says, save, O Lord, you save. Because for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. That means everybody. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. And then verse 3, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? What David is saying is that ultimately, at the end of the day, people put faith in themselves to save themselves by their own duplicitous speech, by their own duplicitous lips, by getting themselves out of situations where they're not entirely honest, justifying themselves, explaining themselves, getting out of things by telling half-truths. And ultimately, we have this dark side of us that is sin that we've learned since we were kids to navigate through life and get ourselves out of situations and not show ourselves to be who we really are. Through our double speak, through our flattering lips and a double heart and uttering lies to some degree. And that's just reality. Now, I'm not giving us a pass for it. It's sin, it's something that's uh, very displeasing to God, but it's a reality that we have to expect in people to some degree and not be shocked when we see it, as if we expect people to be all pure and all good. Now, you know, we're not cultural separatists, so we're not saying that, uh, therefore, we don't want to be part of a culture that's going to lie to us. We're only going to trust the Bible. We're only going to trust God's word in the sense of that's all we're going to read. That's all we're going to listen to. We're not cultural separatists, but we're not culturally naive either. We have this sense in which we live in a culture where everyone's full of BS a little bit, and we have to have a meter for that and not just be so naive and gullible and trusting and have a sense where, you know, we're, we're wise even to ourselves because we're, we're part of everyone. We too have learned to lie and to have a double-hearted flattery to our lips. And we too have learned to sort of save ourselves by our own double speak and getting ourselves out of situations and half-truths. So we get to verse 6 and David says, "...the words of the Lord are pure words." like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. If you've been with me in this podcast by now, you know that that number seven is significant in Scripture. It represents the seventh day in Genesis 1 and 2, and that's always represented God's perfect will, God's perfect work. And the ultimate destination of the kingdom of God coming to earth, I'm not going to explain all that now, but whenever the biblical authors use that number seven, most of the time, I should say, when they use that number seven, they're using it theologically, they're using it thim- symbolically, and this is poetry after all, and so certainly David is using it symbolically. Pure God's word is pure, God's word is bringing about his kingdom, God's word is bringing about his perfect will, it's refined, purified seven times. And then it says, you, Lord, will keep them. Keep your words. You will guard us from this generation forever. So we have to have this sense in which we live in a generation. And that Hebrew word, door, can mean generation, but also this age. And so we live in an age between the times between the kingdom of God and still sin on the earth and we ourselves are in between the times. And so we have sin in us, and we also have Christ in us and the Holy Spirit in us who's sanctifying us. But only God will keep, ultimately, keep all of his words. Only God's word ultimately can be trusted. We have to decide who ultimately we're going to trust, who ultimately we will depend upon in life, who ultimately will not let us down ultimately only god can be trusted in this generation in this age in the age to come to be different we'll all have lives and bodies without sins but ultimately only god can be trusted in this age and only god's word is trustworthy only god's word is completely trustworthy and pure and only god saves no one else we can totally trust not even ourselves only god is going to save us from this age Only God is going to save us in a way that brings truth and dependability and a sense of confidence and security and all these things that uh, will be true in the kingdom of God and that we have to some degree now. And so this is just sort of the maturity that we get from Psalm 12. And then we can say a short prayer that will help us really focus in, I think, on what this psalm is saying and how do we pray it as a prayer that David prayed with God. Either look at the verses as I pray and sort of uh, meditate on those verses as you read them or close your eyes or something right now that will put you in a moment of prayer. Try to make this prayer your prayer as we draw close to God and the reality of the human condition, the dark underbelly of the human condition that we're in and that we participate in. And as part of this environment in which we're trying to grow in our faith and help others grow and others help us grow and it's a messy messy thing there's no other way around it there's no other way through it and so we have to learn to navigate it with maturity and not naivety and so let's pray save us oh Yahweh save us from this generation that we are a part of save me from me save me From the duplicitous heart within me and the flattering lips within me and the lying tongue to my neighbor in ways that try to make my life smoother, try to make my road less hassle by not being entirely truthful. I'm not talking about saying things that hurt people, but saying things that get me out of hot water and get me out of the mess of my own duplicitous heart. Save me from myself, that my words would be words of love and truth, that my yes would be yes and my no would be no, because you say anything else is of the evil one. And I don't want the evil one to give me a duplicitous lip, a duplicitous tongue, that my yes would be yes, that my no would be no, that I would speak truth, that people would be able to depend upon me. That more and more when I say something, people would not have to wonder if I mean it, would not have to wonder what's the part that's not true, but that they would know they can depend upon me to do what I say, to mean what I say, to be faithful to what I say. Save me, O Lord, from me, and also save me from this generation, that I would have a sense of wiseness like Jesus had, that I would certainly invite people to be a part of my community of faith in a way that builds real relationships, and certainly in marriage that I would build true oneness at the same time that I would not depend upon people who are ultimately not dependable, but that I would only depend upon you, that I would look to you to save me, that I would look to you as my salvation. You alone, I can trust 100%. You alone, I can completely surround myself with the security of your truthful words. You alone, I can come to in Scripture. Your words are pure. Your words are silver-refined purified seven times because your words are bringing about your kingdom that is perfect. Your words are bringing about your truth in my heart, in my life that gives life. You keep your words and your words as I trust them will guard me forever. Verse seven says from this generation forever. Your words will give me wisdom. Your words will give me truth that I can count on. And I can trust your word. Only, ultimately, only you can be trusted. Ultimately, only your word is pure. And so I don't want to be a cultural separatist. I want to be involved in my culture and I want to have relationships with people. Even if I can't 100% trust everyone, I can still have relationships of love. I can still have relationships that help me be a light and that my words would be trustworthy and that they would see that I am different than others, that I I don't have as duplicitous of lips and flattering of lips and a lying tongue with my neighbor, that I am trying to be faithful, I am trying to be godly in following my speech and being true to my speech and loving people with my speech. But I know ultimately, to some degree, everyone to some degree will let me down and only you can be trusted. And so I only look ultimately to you as my trust. Your word is true. And ultimately, I can depend upon your word. You are faithful to keep your word And so I surround myself in my imagination with the fortress of your word. I surround myself in my imagination with your word as my rock of refuge, the cave that I hide in and also the cliff that I stand upon to look down upon all the obstacles of life with confidence that you are true to your word, you are trustworthy, and you alone save, and you will save because you have already come in the person of Jesus. You are the one who has died for me, risen from the dead for me, brought salvation already by your resurrection that's already begun salvation in this world, and is the promise that is true for my own salvation and my own resurrection, that you will guard me and deliver me from this generation forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life